Hey, Rez. This is Pastor Daniel with a uh, fireside chat for you. I want to answer this question, I think. Uh, the question is, why do we hate the idea of accountability? Why do we hate the idea of accountability in our lives? Um, and so let's start with, with this idea. Uh, accountability is just baked into the Christian life. The, the idea of being held accountable is baked into the Christian life. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And there's actually a, a, quite a few references to what it's going to look like someday when we stand before Jesus Christ, not just pastors, teachers, leaders, who certainly are going to be held to an even higher standard, but that every one of us someday will stand before Jesus Christ to take uh, an account of our lives. And I don't mean judgment day when we look at Jesus and uh, and Jesus, you know, says, hey, your, your sins, because they were covered by the blood of Christ, we're all forgiven. Uh, we know that's the case if we've been uh, saved by Jesus. But there's this additional thing that's going to happen where someday we're going we're gonna to stand before Jesus and we're actually going to answer for our life after he saved us. And it says we'll give an account for every word that we uttered. It says uh, that we'll give an account for how we used the, the, and stewarded the gifts and the talents that we have. Uh, Jesus has some actually really interesting parables about this. There's a parable of the the servants that he leaves uh, with money and the master leaves away and, and, and comes back to see how they've invested them. I mean, there's this idea of just, we are accountable to God for everything that we do. And I'm not talking again about judgment day. I, I mean, post-salvation, we're accountable. So, so this is already baked in, but, but, I, I don't know that that's maybe the main, maybe that's a problem for cultural Christians, right? That that show up and uh, Christianity is just a tradition. But I think that, that for the believer in Jesus that loves Jesus and uh, wants to pursue him, wants to follow him, I think we all can accept that part. I, I think the harder part is this, real close accountability to other people is actually insanely hard. Like, uh, our country has made a, a motto out of this idea of like, only God can judge me. I mean, people get tattoos uh, of that on their on themselves, right? It shows up in rap songs, only God can judge me, um, which first of all, God will judge you. <laughs> no, that's number one. Number two, it's actually not biblical. I mean, that's like an incorrect interpretation of what Matthew seven is even saying that we have a lot of verses in the new testament that basically says we do judge one another in terms of at least our actions like when we see someone in outright sin who's in the church who's a believer who says loves jesus so we that that there are tons of those and um you know the cultural christian will throw matthew 7 around judge not and it says judge not lest you be judged actually uh, most of the judge not stuff in the New Testament is about don't judge the intentions of someone's heart because you don't specifically know those. But there are actually a lot of verses that talk about judging the behavior of people when it's outright sinful or when they might have a blind spot. Um, for instance, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 say it this way, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So let's just talk about those two verses real quick. We're both supposed to recognize when someone 
uh, has a sin and then call it out. I mean, that's that's what Galatians 6, 1 and 2 is saying. Like, you, you didn't just notice that they had a sin. They were caught in sin. Like, you saw it. You called it out. You were like, hey, that's sinful. That's not holy. I mean, that's a problem. Um, and then here's the extra part. You don't get to just stop and like hurl the the accusation uh, or the recognition of that across the fence, right? But also there's this work involved to restore them gently, which is even harder, right? Um, how do we know that? Well, because it's a burden. That's what verse two says, carry each other's burdens. So the idea of witnessing someone that falls into sin or has a blind spot or is doing something that's unholy or, or is messing up and then figuring out prayerfully for like, like, like just, kind of working through this this tough tension of wanting to lovingly call that out in them and 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 help restore them back in, in whatever it is whatever that fall was whatever that sin was is hard because we're supposed to carry their burden with them so so we don't get to be that Karen who who lob, Karen's going to get mad at me uh who lobs the the grenade over the fence to to tell you you're doing everything wrong. That's not carrying anyone's burden, right? We're we're actually supposed to do it with them, walk along in the mess with the person. Now, here's my question for you uh to consider is why if if this is biblical and it clearly is, this isn't the only scripture that talks about how this works in the church, but it, it, why do we push back so hard with the idea that someone could hold us accountable, like that our small group would hold us accountable, that our, our mentors or, or Christian friends would hold us accountable, that our elders and pastors would hold us accountable? Like, why, why is that so scary uh, and so negative? And we, we think of it with such a negative stigma because it's, it's clearly biblical. <laughs> Listen to Hebrews 13, 16 and 17. It says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit, we hate that word, to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. What is it talking about? It's talking about your spiritual leaders, elders, deacons, pastors holding you accountable because they're looking out for your welfare because they care if you get caught in sin. They care about your maturation. They care about your, your biblical literacy, right? Um, so why do we keep pushing back on that then? Why, why, why does the average Christian who loves Jesus look at the concept of being submissive to leaders or being held accountable by their small group and, and think that this is so terrible? Uh, let me tell you why. It's actually in the Bible. <laughs> it's it's written for us because God knew we'd have these questions, I think. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We always think we're right, right? By default, I think I'm right, and it, I'm, it's up to you to prove me wrong. Like, we, we always start in the starting position of I'm right, and if anyone has a different opinion, they're wrong. That's the starting point. Romans 12, 3 says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So what, what, what is Paul saying? Like we have this tendency to always think we're right and to think that we're holy and to think that our decisions are correct and just. 
And instead, Paul's saying, man, you need some sober judgment. Like you need to admit that oftentimes you're not. What? In fact, what if what if our track record was like 50-50, right? Like, like there's a there's a one in two chance that I'm wrong. I, I would tell you almost no one thinks that. Everybody thinks that we're like 99% right, and there's like this 1% time that I'm wrong. And man, I do not think those odds are right. But but this is actually the, the nature of sin in us, right? The nature of pride in us. Um, I think God actually grows us a lot through correction. Um uh, and, and, and so I think what you you and I will see as we grow in uh, Christ is that through community, God is often uh, trying to do some stuff in the midst of us, sort of our flesh pushing back at Him. Like, let me let me give you this statement. I just want you to chew on this for a minute. I think we can all admit that wise counsel, like having good wise counsel, right, sounds wonderful. Like if I asked your average Christian, hey, you know, do you want some like real wisdom in your life? Would you like to have a couple people that kind of pour into you and, you know, give you give you wise counsel? I think most people would go, yeah, man, that'd be great, right? But let me let me add this little caveat, and then it turns this this sentence around. Most of us, though. We can all admit that wise counsel sounds wonderful, but most of us really only want wise counsel when it agrees with us. Like if the wise counsel disagrees with me, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I don't know how valuable this is. (laughs) So wise counsel is wonderful. If it agrees, affirms my thoughts, my position, uh, my ideas, um, a plan for my future, the way I'm behaving now. When wise counsel pushes back, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, man, I don't know about that, right? But, but but here's the thing. God grows us through correction. Like that's often how we have to grow is through being corrected. And that correction, while that absolutely can come through conviction of the spirit and through 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 scripture, absolutely. Oftentimes that correction comes through others. It has to come through others because we have these blind spots in our lives, right? Hebrews 12, five says, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Like God shapes us through correction, through lots of different ways, but oftentimes through people, through messengers. And man, if I just go through a survey of the Bible and look at the way people are corrected at different times by God through messengers, it is oftentimes not the messenger they would have chosen. I mean, and if we're really wondering that, we could always turn to the story of Balaam who gets mad at his donkey and it's his donkey that's kind of saving him, right? But he can't see the threat. Uh, it, it is, let me put it this way. It is in our nature, you're, you're in my nature, it is in our nature to be prideful, right? We know that. We know that. We know we, we all were born and created. And then because of sin, we have this sin nature in us because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve. And so it is in our nature to then to be prideful. And pride leads us to become unteachable and uncorrectable. The two most dangerous things in a Christian's life. Someone that says, I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's my King. The the most dangerous things is when we become unteachable or uncorrectable, meaning we think we're done 
with that sanctification process. Like we're just, we're, I'm done. I've been transformed, right? There, there's no more sin left. It, it's, uh, I'm ready to walk on water. I'm ready, I'm ready to basically follow me. Like I, I got it all together. If we get to the point where we think I'm uncorrectable, I, I'm unteachable. Now here's, here, here, let me, let me add this caveat. None of us think we're that, right? We all think we can be corrected. We all think that we're teachers, but I just want to tell you, man, I, I, I really want you to, to chew on this. When's the last time someone came to you with a correction and because you didn't like the tone of it, because you weren't, you didn't agree with like one point out of their nine points, <laughs> whether, I mean, any of these things, right? You just pushed back. And, and, and let me take it a step further. How often do you welcome and ask for correction? How, I mean, how often are you seeking it? How, how much do you want that accountability in your life? Because most of us have a negative view of accountability. And that's why we don't do it. And that's why we keep our Christian relationships at an arm's distance. Uh, nobody ever gets close enough to really hold us to the mat, right? They, they, they're, they're always just far enough away that I can kind of slink away and I, and I don't have to face up to what's going on in my life. And the lack of accountability in a Christian relationship leads to inauthenticity. It's artificial. It's fake. It's not real. It's shallow. It's, it's, it's an inch deep. And you could tell me you have a lot of friends, and I'll tell you those aren't even really friends. Those are acquaintances, right? The Christian community, Christian friendship is supposed to be so close that uh, our friends can see all those faults. They can see those mistakes. They can see when there's sin. And because they love us, they're willing to call them out. And because we want to grow and be teachable, we're willing to listen. And I don't know that I'm there. I don't know that you're there. I, I, I think that's a, a thing for consideration. God wants to grow us, and to do so, he must also humble us. He must also humble us. So just the question to ask at the, the, this fireside chat is, uh, do I welcome accountability in my life? Do I welcome correction? And uh, you know, would I be called a teachable person by those around me? Do I generally enjoy, this is crazy, do I generally enjoy feedback? Do I thank people for coming to me? to point things out, or do I tend to have a very defensive sort of like that will be conflictual and I don't want to hear about it attitude. And that's led me to keep people at our arm's length. Things for you to consider. Appreciate your time uh, sitting with me today and listening and considering these things. Love you guys. Talk to you next time.